You're listening to Minding the Brain with Kim Hellemans and Jim Davies. Episode 1, Stress. It seems like everybody is stressed out. They're reading the news, which stresses them out, or they're reading articles about how to be less stressed. And sometimes it seems like in the modern world we're in a stress epidemic. So today I'm going to talk about stress with Kim Hellemans. Kim, hi. Hey. So from a neuroscience perspective and a psychology perspective, uh, what is stress? So stress is our body's response to stressors. And a stressor is a physical or psychological stimuli. It can be real or imagined. Um, It can be inside of us or outside of us, uh, physical or psychological, that... Um, threatens our body's homeostasis. So homeostasis is our body's desire to maintain a steady state, right? So our body at all times wants to have a a constant temperature, a constant salt balance, sugar balance, Mm. et cetera. Um, And so when stressors threaten that, our body mounts a response, which can be called stress. That's pretty broad. So anytime you get thirsty or hungry or chilly, that all those are stressors, is that? Yeah, yeah, okay. uh, to varying degrees, right? The amplitude will vary uh, depending on how tired, thirsty, hot you are. Okay, and that's really interesting because that's uh, it's so many different kinds of things. That's but, right. But the brain responds similarly to all threats to homeostasis? That's right. And so what is that response? So, um, so back in the 30s, I want to say, uh, German scientist by the name, name of Hans Selye. Have you heard of Hans Selye? Mm-hmm. He, he was the, one of the first to really describe um, at a physiological, the stress, uh, uh, physiological level the stress response. And he actually borrowed the term stress from engineering. So you can imagine right. like, like the impact of something physical on a bridge is a stressor, right. right? So he borrowed these terms from engineering. And he was the first to really show that um, no matter what, and this was all early studies, these were done on rats, or mice, uh, that it didn't matter whether the stressor was physical, so illness, or psychological, um, a, a, a predator in the same mm-hmm. room, uh, the animal's response to that stressor would be the same. Basically, our body uh, mounts two specific responses. Our brain, it starts in our brain. One is the so-called fast response, and one is the so- is a so-called slow response. And the fast response is probably something you've heard about, the fight-or-flight response, mm. right? And that uh, originates in a population of cells that's kind of in the middle of the brain in a region known as the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus has discrete populations of cell bodies within it that are there specifically to listen to incoming sensory information and internal uh, body um, signals. Mm. And what happens is that if, again, that homeostasis is threatened, let's say the, the organism is too cold, uh, the, the hypothalamic cells will send a signal down into um, for the fast response into cells that are in the in the spinal cord, and the end result is they release adrenaline. And you've probably heard about adrenaline before, mm-hmm. right? So when adrenaline is high, like you you kind of feel like your heart rate is racing and you're kind of yeah, it's like a burst of energy, right? Right, burst <clears throat> of energy. So that's the fast response. So the very quick response to stress is that adrenaline response. So even like when you get hungry. You get an adrenaline. That's response. right. Yeah, because okay. it's it's motivating the organism right. to go and seek food. And so, if the stressor is continued, let's say if you're still cold and you can't 
find, find a sweater to put on or turn up the thermostat. Uh, then the next response is the slow response. And again, that originates in the hypothalamus again. And this is the so-called HPA axis. So H stands for hypothalamus, P stands for pituitary, and A stands for adrenal. So the hypothalamus sends a specific hormone known as corticotropin-releasing hormone, or CRH, which signals to the pituitary gland, which is like the master gland of the of the body. It's the main gland that sends signals related to hormones. So the pituitary gland listens for the CRH. The CRH signals to the pituitary. The pituitary, in response, uh, sends another type of hormone uh, known as ACTH, or adrenocorticotropic hormone. Adrenocorticotropic hormone. I'll say that slow. <laughs> ACTH. And then ACTH gets into the bloodstream and signals to the adrenal gland, which is like a tiny, well, it's not that, that small. It's a gland that sits um, right in behind your kidneys. Mm -hmm. And the adrenal gland, uh, the outer portion of that, which is the cortex, cortex uh, releases cortisol. So you may have heard of cortisol before. It's your main stress hormone. And cortisol, when it's released into the bloodstream, it travels all throughout the body and importantly signals to pretty much every major organ, uh, even your skin, uh, to prepare it to defend the stressor, right? So mm. um, broadly speaking, what's happening when you're stressed, that cortisol release, suspends all activities in your body that are related to repair um, or to storage. Um, you're, you're basically halting anything that's related to maintaining your, the upkeep of your body and you're putting all your energy into fighting uh, that stressor. So either the fight or the flight response, right? Right, so it, it focuses you, yeah. right? And, and so all the long-term stuff that's right. doesn't matter when yeah. you're fighting for your life, right? So yeah. the stress response is a um, yeah. It's it's literally meant. It was you know we we are we have a paleolithic brain. It it's there to keep the organism alive. So when we mount that stress response, you're you're you are putting all your energy and resources into fighting that stressor, which made sense back in the day when our stressors were mainly things that threatened really threatened our life, hunger, uh, or a predator. Right, or I guess uh, vast changes in temperature as well. You could die from f uh, so even exposure. if you, <clears throat> so even if you get the slightest hunger pang, or you or somebody's trying to chase you with an axe, you it's the same response in different to different degree. I That's guess. exactly right. Yep, exactly wow. the same response. And um, so there's adrenaline, there's cortisol, cortisol. Mm -hmm. and those things ready you, and mm -hmm. they shut down yeah. uh, non necessary. Like the immune system. The immune system, mm -hmm. reproduction. Reproduction, right? and that's repair right. And all that kind of that's stuff. Right. That's right. That's why mm -hmm. women uh, who may be having fertility problems, uh, one of the first things that the doctor might ask is, how much stress are you experiencing? Because it doesn't make sense for a woman to carry a, a baby to term. Gestation is extremely metabolically right. costly. If you are under enormous amounts of stress, you want to be putting the, the energy into keeping yourself alive. So can people be under stress and not know it? Yes, because there's a lot of lot of things that happen subconsciously, yeah. right? So our whole limbic system, which is the main system in the brain that um, is responsible for motivation and emotion, uh, that was really our old 
brain, right? right so right. as we added more hardware to the nervous system, we added it on top of it. So there's in fact a strip of old primordial cortical tissue uh, called the cingulate cortex right above the limbic regions. And that was our old cortex. And there's, you know, I, I don't want to get too far down a, a, an evolution a, hole, a, a evolution hole, but um, there's, there's a whole group of scientists that have dis, uh, demonstrated that you can, you can have these emotional responses, but not be aware of it. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Antonio Damasio's work. I am. Yeah. 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 So he, you know, he had this beautiful paper um, deciding advantageously before knowing the advantageous response and basically showed that you, you, you can have these somatic, like autonomic body responses, but not consciously be aware of it until much later. Or not so, at all. I mean, or yeah, not at so all, right? It, you can, I mean, there's all these cases of, like, think about fugue states. Right, right. Right, so, yeah. And sometimes you have to train yourself to recognize the emotions that you're feeling, right? So right. I, I've, I've heard about, you know, people taking anger management they have to, they're trained to pay attention to the physiological responses that are, they can see in their body to know that they're getting angry oh, that's <clears throat> before the, yeah. con you know, because what, 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 what happens without that is that they fly, they don't, they're not aware that they're angry until they're completely screaming and, mm. and violent. Mm. So they train, therapists train them to listen to your heart rate. Yeah. Pay attention. Are yeah, you clenching your fists? Yeah. Are you, are you feeling jaw. hot? Are yeah. Clenching your jaw mm. and, uh, and say, oh, I must be getting angry. So it's uh, hmm. it's a little unintuitive, but yeah, there uh, I've seen some really good evidence that you can be um, in a high emotional state or an emotional state without without knowing. A, you are. Yeah, probably without knowing, or also knowing what kind of emotional state am I in? Right. Is it stress? Is it anger? Is it sadness? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd love to do another show about. Uh, misinterpretations of emotions. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're going to stick to stress for a bit. So you're in a stressful state. Uh, does does that last until the stressor is gone, or when does when does stress stop? When does stress stop? So back to Hans Selye, our German scientist, that he was the first to really describe the the stress response, and he, in fact, um, said there were three stages to the stress response, and the last stage. So normally, like you have this, you have this mounted, you have the alarm phase, right? The stressor is there. And then you go into the resistance phase. And that's when you're mounting that stress response. And normally what happens is that in that resistance phase, all these signals are, are in your, your bloodstream. And they work very hard to, to ensure that the organism isn't pumping out all these hormones and neurotransmitters to the point of the third stage, which is exhaustion. Now, let me be clear that, so you're releasing cortisol and, and adrenaline, and specifically with cortisol, cortisol signals back to the previous levels of uh, the stress response. Remember the HPA axis, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. Cortisol will feed back to all levels of the axis and, and, and signal to those cells, shut down. Right, so it'll signal back to the battery, don't put put out any more ACTH. It'll signal back to the hypothalamus, don't put out any more uh, CRH. And then it also signals other layers of the brain, but we're not going to get that complicated. But this is a very elegant form of what's known as negative feedback, which is a key principle in biology. Negative feedback is uh, when you release a, a signal is present, and by that virtue of that signal being present, it's it serves to shut down what started the signal in the first place. Yeah. So you know a good example of that is your thermostat, right? Your thermostat is set to a specific temperature. Once it re reaches that temperature, your furnace will shut down or your air conditioning will shut down. 
down. So um, in that um, resistance phase, cortisol is working to shut itself down. Now what happens if the stressor is still present or the organism is still appraising that stressor as something, right? right? So it could be either. It could be the stressor stopped, but the organism is still ruminating or stressing about it in the absence of the stressor, then we, we're, we're continuing to, we're basically overriding that negative feedback and we're continuing to pump out all those hormones. And that's when the organism can enter that exhaustion phase. It, so, it sounds like if you think of the hypothalamus like a thermostat and hotter is more like more danger than, you know, when you're under a yeah. stressor, when there's a stressor, you, it's like turning up the thermostat and it requires more cortisol and HPA it requires more HPA to make it satisfied and stop pumping it out. Right. Mm. And so then yeah. it gets turned down when I guess you, uh, the stressor is gone and, or your appraisal of it, or you start, you start thinking about something else. That's right. Yep. Is the stress bad for you? Like, is there something inherently bad for you about being under stress? So yes and no. So let me start with no stress by its very, you know, the reason we have a stress response is it's highly adaptive. Right, you'd be screwed right? if you didn't have any stress. If you had no stress response, you'd, exactly. be, in tr- you'd be in big Ex- trouble. Exactly. Right? Are there people you'd... with those disorders who can't feel stress? Um, Ever heard of that? No. I mean... It's too fundamental to it's the brain, exactly, right? It's it's, too... uh, yeah. If you... Well, <laughs> there is a condition where you can't produce cortisol. <clears throat> that is actually life-threatening. Like people, yeah, okay. when they get sick, they can get very sick. Um but uh, there's too many redundancies built into oh. the stress response, right? Okay. So there are other ways in which that you could basically experience defend. I, see, I gotcha. Right. Anyway, uh, so so no, I mean it's 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 good because it's it's defending you. It's 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 making sure that you go and eat something or put yeah. on a sweater or run away from the the hungry bear. But it can be quite bad for you, and this is why you know you started out the pot, um, the show saying like we're in a stress epidemic. Everybody's reading about stress. We're in a very interesting times because in the modern world, we are faced with, with a lot more, arguably, a lot more stressors than, than our Paleolithic ancestors. And what can happen is that if you're constantly mounting that stress response, even to, even to small degrees, this can, as I mentioned with that resistance phase, what can happen is you are at high risk for the development of a number of, of um, illnesses, including psychiatric illness. Because guess what? Cortisol is actually at high levels neurotoxic. And what that means is it can kill off brain cells. And um, there has been a huge body of work in neuroscience. Actually, um, some of our Canadian neuroscientists actually were some of the first to show this, demonstrating that um, cortisol can kill off specific populations of cells in another brain region known as the hippocampus. Oh, that's not good. And it's not good. And these, po- and these cells in the hippocampus are, if you remember the, the HPA axis, these <coughs> hippocampal cells are at one level up from the hypothalamus. Okay. And they are the highest level of that negative feedback. And what happens is if those cells die, negative feedback drops. And what that means is that you've got a vicious cycle. You're pumping out cortisol, too much cortisol, which is feeding back to the hippocampus, killing off those brain cells that normally shut down the hypothalamic neurons. So then the hypothalamic neurons can't shut down properly, so they're spitting out tons more right. CRH. So it's kind of like the it's kind of like the thermostat cycle. has lost its sensors. That's for, right. for what the temperature right. is in the house. Yeah. Um, and uh, but this, that's not going to happen. 
that's not going to happen with one huge dose of stress, right? That's isn't no, that, that's like a long-term no, stress chronic, response, right? chronic stress. <clears throat> like people who are right. living through wars and like poverty, neglect, abuse. Okay. Um, but yeah, so those are ex like extreme traumatic episodes or chronic Right. Stress can lead to that, and that's this is actually one of the major theories of psychiatric disease is um, the fact that early life stress can really rewire this ner this stress response to make the the organism more susceptible to yeah. stressors in the future. Yeah. Now, people like everyday society. More of the issue is with the fact that, as I mentioned, one of the things that stress does is it dampens our immune response. Mm -hmm. And, of course, our immune system, which we could do a whole other show on the immune response, which is wild and fascinating. But the immune system is really crucial, right, for right. defending disease. And so you get this weird uh, pendulum swing where initially with – and everybody, like, imagine, like – you know, for our student listeners, imagine like the exam period, right? The exam period, you're like, you've got adrenaline surging through your nervous system and you're right. just like wired. What happens the minute you get home? You get sick, right? Everybody, you know, my students, they all, you know, oh, you know, things were great. And Christmas Day, I, I had the flu, right? So is that a real thing? It is a real thing. It's, it's yeah. not just anecdotal. It's no, like people actually get right. sick. Yes. After the stressful? That's right. Now, why would that be if the stress reduces your immune system? Why wouldn't you get sick during? It's very paradoxical. It's so it's it's thought to be that, again, adrenaline, which is that in that part of that early stress response is actually boosting your immune system for for that duration of time. Now, think about like you've all got a friend who got sick midway through the exam period. Right. So everybody has differing levels of their ability to to continue to mount that adrenaline response, right? Some people can really sustain it for that two-week period, and some people... So adrenaline prevents That's sickness? right. Yeah, adrenaline boosts your immune system initially. There's the fast response, which produces oh, adrenaline, okay. and the slow response, which produces cortisol. Oh, so okay. When, so when, when you're under extreme stress, your immune system is high enough. That's right. But the slow... Yes. Now, why, why would it be advantageous to have a low immune system in the long term? Okay, so remember... Okay, imagine... It, it helps if you if you imagine yourself as a cave person. Done. Done. Imagine yourself as right. So you walk out of your cave and you're starving, right? Mm. And you're you you know you hunting for something. You find a, a, a source of food. Suddenly, a saber toothed tiger attacks you. Right. right? You want to run back to your cave. If you succumb to illness or injury right away, you're dead. Right. So that's why the adrenaline is. Pumping okay, you, that makes sense. getting you to uh, your cave, right? So you've got the adrenaline response. The HPA is starting, yeah. right? And you're in that resistance phase. Okay. When you get to the later parts of the resistance phase and the exhaustion phase, that's when like adrenaline's gone and cortisol is starting to shut down your immune response, right? So if you were continuing to run to your cave, being chased by the saber-toothed tiger and you fall and you break your leg, adrenaline will only sustain you for so long. Right. So it, it, it can boost you so that you can run. That's why people like people who get injured during sports and they come off the field and then that's when they feel their injury. Because right? adrenaline's gone. The adrenaline's gone. Right. So then in the absence of adrenaline, cortisol will. will wow, that is complicated. It is complicated. So, so that we've evolved for animals, I guess. This is across many yes. mammals, I imagine. Yes. Right. Yes. To in the in the very moment yeah. uh, we are we have a high immune system yep. in the sh 
just a little bit longer term. We have a weakened immune system. Yeah. And then after the stressors are completely gone, we return yes. to normal. Uh, yeah, unless, yes. Uh, aside from yes. chronic stress. We're that's talking right. about just like the, yeah. a, a, a scare yep. that you have, right? Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. wow, that's amazing. You know, I, I feel like we're in a very, um, the North American culture, the Canadians and the Americans, we're very achievement oriented and there's kind of a status in being Super stress, busy, I yeah, and then stressed. Like yeah, people yeah. say, there's. I've it talked to people. So I've talked to people who like say they're stressed every time I I talk to them. Like it's it's uh, but you know, I don't I don't think people understand that they're paying a cost. Yeah. There. Like if they're really stressed, if they just mean they're busy. I mean, we'll get to this a little later. Yeah. But you know, like actually being stressed is not a sustainable no. situation to be it's in. Not you know? a, and, no. And um, has modern society put us in a position where we're, we do feel more chronic stress? Yes. I think we are in a, in a situation where we're, we're mounting that stress response more often than what our ancestors would have, when, when our ancestors would have mounted it. it they probably mount it less, less often, but more severely, right? So it was yeah. in response to vi like really life-threatening events. But what we're doing is, you know, where our alarm's going up, we've only slept five hours, you know, we're tired, we, we're, our kids have to get to school by uh, mm -hmm. X number of time, we gotta r run them to school. Oh, traffic, there's snow, we missed the bus, uh, we, you know, we get to work, we forgot our laptop, you know, all these little things are, you know, in isolation minor, but they can add up. And again, depending on your resiliency, and I, you know, I'm happy to talk about that too. Uh, some people can really fall prey to um, that subjective appraisal of their, their own stress, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, I think it's also like, you know, the hashtag first world problem, right? We were, you know, oh my God, I went to Whole Foods and they were out of Parmesan. What am right. I going to do, right? And it, it's... It's certainly, and I think there's also something to be said about how when we don't have anything serious to stress about, we'll stress about something anyway, you know? Mm, whatever the worst problem is, yeah. it gets, gets the stress response, yeah. you know? Yeah, like yeah. if you're living in sub-Saharan Africa, children die regularly. It's a sad, horrible thing. People get sick, people starve. Um, but if you look at measures of happiness, right, mm. they are no less you know the same. In, in, same in some cases even you know right. subjective measurements are happier i i i was reading that during um steve balmer's ceo reign over microsoft mm. that they would regularly fire the bottom performing people every oh, so often god and just to keep everybody <laughs> well to well i guess i think that the idea was just like well if you just uh, it's like an evolutionary almost like an evolutionary thing if you if the, if the fittest don't keep working, then, you know, the place will just get better and better. But apparently it led to an enormously stressful workplace. And yeah. the new CEO got rid of that. And, uh, you know, d you can put yourself in more or less stressful situations. And, and I was reading recently about different, um, some primates have social groups that are based on family mm -hmm. and some don't. And the ones that are not based on family have enormously higher stress. So Japanese macaques, for example... I think baboons, they're just like constantly stressing each other out, constant power plays, constant threats and, interesting? and shifting alliances where with, if they're all based on the same family, then they've got 
the kinship that makes them more, more interested in each other's welfare. Um, but even even among different species of ape and and monkey, hmm. um, you know, you're just if you're if you're a Japanese macaque, you're just gonna have a more stressful life than uh, if you're you know I can't remember the other one, but yeah, well that's <laughs> it because as humans we have uh, evolved to create kinship ties, right? And that is part of our uh, homeostasis is being able to right. have family and kinship ties. Right. Um, and I bet and you know I know there are differences between cultures about whether the man leaves his family tribe to live with his wife's or vice versa. Mm. And I bet, I, I bet you that there's more stress with the newcomer. You know, uh, I, I bet yeah, you'd be yeah, able yeah. to measure, like they just, just generally have a higher, yeah, I've, I've higher stress life. Adapting. You know, what's the most stressful kind of psychological stressor? What? Loneliness. The most? Mm-hmm. Well, I, okay, so studies have shown that the cortisol response to loneliness is higher than, say, the cortisol response to um, feeling like sadness, like a, a breakup. Okay, so a breakup yeah. or like yeah. a, a looming deadline yeah. that you're not prepared for. Right. Loneliness is worse, mm-hmm. right? And you know what's funny is people don't, people don't, Attribute, they, people don't call that stress. So I think that's one of these interesting things where, mm. the, you know, you're, what you're talking about stress and the stress response as the brain, as, as a brain behavior, as mm-hmm. something the brain does, isn't something that perfectly fits our English word for stress. So right. if someone's super lonely, they're not going to say I'm super stressed out. That's they're just not going to do it. But yes, they are stressed But they out, are stressed. Right. They that's just right. don't know it. Um, speaking of women and men, mm. um, are there, are there uh, sex and gender differences between how stresses felt and experienced? Uh, one of the major sex and gender differences is uh, with females. Uh, females have a higher baseline stress level. So our cortisol, like if I took right now a saliva sample from you, a saliva sample from me, and we looked at our cortisol levels, mine would be, uh, even at rest, uh, about double yours. Double. Yeah, yeah. And what we're talking like picomoles, like like it's very small, right? But okay. we, you know, our cortisol levels uh, are actually on a n- natural diurnal rhythm. What that means is that um, they fluctuate. It fluctuates normally throughout the day, even if we're not feeling stress, right? So okay. cortisol is actually there to prepare us to eat and to move around, right? So it's uh, it's it's starting to get higher in the morning, just as we're waking up. And then it rises and rises and rises and actually starts to fall and is at its lowest right around 3 o'clock in the afternoon if you're on an 8 a.m., 10 p.m. cycle. And then goes up again around dinner time and then plummets and is lowest in, during okay. the evening. So women's cortisol levels, that, that, that rhythm is slightly higher or double. But, it, you know, again, it's... We're talking small numbers. Small numbers. Our peak values. So, again, if you and I we're exposed to a, a, the same stressor, hmm. my peak levels of cortisol would be higher than yours. And that's why women on average are more likely to have autoimmune disorders. So remember I said that cortisol uh, dampens hmm. the immune system um, and it is very, very complex. So it can't be like, oh wait, but cort- they have higher cortisol and doesn't that mean that it decreases the immune response? It's, it's, it's quite paradoxical, but suffice it to say, an autoimmune disorder like rheumatoid arthritis, even asthma can be considered an autoimmune disorder. Just to, just to give the, our, our listeners, an autoimmune disorder is, a, is one where your immune system has 
gone kind of haywire and it starts hurting your own body. Yeah. So allergies are yeah attacking itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So women are more susceptible to those, and we're also more susceptible to depression. Right. So that does sound like paradoxical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is there a resolution to that paradox? So if, if stress reduces your immune system, because I have an immune disease mm. and I take immune suppressants. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like if I were more stressed, it would re- <laughs> relieve my symptoms, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's complicated. Okay. Let's leave it at that. Leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. It has to do with pro and anti-inflammatory signals in the, in the, in the body and the okay. brain. Does, does science have anything to say about reducing stress in the moment let's say that you're feeling enormous stress for some reason uh, what can you do right like right now to to calm down there's a lot of really good literature right now on meditative practice mindfulness meditation um, breathing uh, all these things are are there because and they are claimed they claim to work because they're um getting you to focus on your body and focus on the signals that is happening in your body. And I, you know, taking cleansing breaths, um, there's, you know, if you're experiencing a panic attack and that is like a severe, um, stress, stress, is that a stress yeah. response. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it is your body's nervous, uh, your body's autonomic nervous system kind of mounting a, a severe significant stress response in the absence of something that would be triggering that right so um imagine like you know stepping out into the street and a bus shuttling towards you that sort of <gasps> moment right mm. that you have that's like you know the adrenaline surging very rapidly and the, a panic attack is basically all those symptoms what is autonomic we have the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system, and the peripheral nervous system is divided into the autonomic and somatic divisions, and the autonomic are the nerves that extend from your spinal cord that uh, go to your internal organs mm. and listen to them uh, okay, and also okay. control them. So they're uh, autonomic because it's outside of your control. Um, and so there's the, and then that's further subdivided into the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. Oh, oh we're getting right. Anatomy. Yeah, that's that's getting <laughs> that's getting deep. But I did hear Boom. something like, I read that when you inhale, it increases cortisol, and when you exhale, like like even moment to moment, like uh, you get a different pair. I think it was described in terms of the parasympathetic uh, response, but right, because the sympathetic and parasympathetic are. Uh, uh, seesaw, right? The sympathetic. Yeah. Remember, I, I said the fast response to stress. Mm-hmm. That's your sympathetic adrenal medullary okay. axis. So your sympathetic nerves are the fight or flight ones, right? Right. And your parasympathetic nerves are the ones that rest and digest, right? Right. So, absolutely, deep breathing, focusing on like if you are really stressing out and panicking, uh, focus on your external environment. And and um, this is actually a tool used in therapy. It's called a grounding exercise, mm-hmm. where you're uh, you know, look around you. What are five things that you see? Look around you. What are five things that you hear? Listen. What are five things that you hear? What are five things that you smell? What are five things that you can feel? Now, is that just, does that work just because it's a distraction? It's literally grounding you to the present because stress is your, like, I mean, in the, like, if there's a stressor present, you got to deal with it, right? Like, that's, you know. Right. Well, if you're stressed about, let's say you're worried that you're going to fail a class or something. Right. Um, so you're thinking about the future. Right. right, but so grounding is making you for, I, right, go into the present. How about like can you be busy and not be stressed about it? Yes. Is that possible? Is that is mm-hmm. that just like some people are just lucky, or is it? Do you think it's a you can be cultivated to be busy without being stressed? 
I think it is. I think you can be. I think stress often is a, uh, is about the psychological appraisal of what's happening in your life, mm-hmm. right? So you can have a lot of things on the go, but you know, I'm sure you've reached that that place with your work, um, where you just you feel that sort of sense of fulfillment and yeah. you know you've got a full day but you're you're energized because of all the ideas and the conversations and the accomplishments um well and a lot of flow states are very busy right, right? so people yeah. talk about even waiting tables they just like yeah it, it, there's one thing after another and they're yeah. in the moment and they're just doing this and that yeah. and they actually find it invigorating and, and i mean being a server of course can be stressful yeah. under certain conditions but yeah a lot of the time they just like that um for me uh i find I have so many projects and so many ambitions that I, I, I can get stressed out about deciding what I should be doing right. at any given moment. Yeah. So, and one of the ways I deal with it is that I decide at the beginning of the day what I'm going to be doing at every moment of the day. Yeah. And because I, and that only takes me a couple of minutes, uh, you know, during the quiet hours of the morning, but then the rest of the day I'm free from decision making it's and it's lovely it's like and I know like uh, before I, think I should do a whole show on your I, on my on method your, yeah your method. I like it but just in, in terms of stress it's nice because what I do is I just make sure that I have time allocated for all the most important things and then for the rest of the day I don't have to think about what I, I just be confident that I'm working on uh, what I should be you know and mm-hmm. I remember like before if I had like 10 things I had to do I couldn't even focus on one of them because I was thinking about the other nine and worrying about not getting when am to I going to get to them? When am I going to get to yeah, that? Yeah. Should I be working on that instead of this one? Have I been working yeah. on this one too long? Yeah. Should I switch tasks? And that is enormously distracting and 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 stress-inducing, you know. So, well, I think this is the 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 goal is really to achieve that state of busy, fulfilled, not stressed, right? And I can right, tell you, right. from my own experiences, I mean, I'm not immune to stress by any stretch of the imagination. Where I've re- gone, f- and I've, I've, I almost envision like, like it's like a, like a, uh, I'm walking that line, right, where I can feel the moment where I tip into stress, right? <laughs> so you're always on the edge. Yeah, this tightrope. But I, I remember getting some advice once about um, always plan your day for eighty percent. What's that be- mean? Because life will fill oh, oh, that 20. Do you know oh, what I mean? Leave like 20% leave 20% un- because unscheduled. when I like I you know I have two young kids, the kids get sick, uh you know, doctors appointments happen, uh, the unexpected, right? And and kind of like we've had a conversation about, you know, imagining the future. Like you can't imagine that unexpected sometimes, right? But how do you do so, that? Do you, do you imagine things taking longer than they do? Yes. Yeah, I I or always do you leave hours I, empty. Both. So I oh, overplan, okay. right? I I I have hours kind of half hour chunks with between meetings. And then I, I always ensure that my day ends. Usually I don't plan anything um, past four o'clock, even though I have, that gives me a buffer to get my I kids see, before, five, uh-huh. you know, like I little mental stuff right. too. But um, yeah, I think get going from busy to stressed can happen when you get a phone call from school saying <laughs> your daughter just threw up in the middle of the living crash. <laughs> Yeah, good advice. All right, well, thank you so much, and uh, we will see you next time. Minding the Brain is brought to you by Carleton University's Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences and made possible, in part, by rainwater, covering the earth in fresh water for over 4 billion years. Minding the Brain is edited by me, Mike Contos. 
Theme music is Plucked by Michael Terry. Episodes available at mindingthebrainpodcast.com.